Welcome to the Corporate Legal Ops Consortium podcast, where we dive deep into conversations with technology and legal ops thought leaders from across the ecosystem. This is Clock Talk. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix legal operations and technology team. On this episode, I sit down with Baratunde Thurston in our 2023 Clock Global Institute podcast studio. Baratunde Thurston is an Emmy-nominated, multi-platform storyteller and producer operating at the intersection of race, tech, democracy, and climate. He's the host of the PBS television series America Outdoors with Baratunde Thurston on PBS.org and creator and host of the How to Citizen podcast with Baratunde, which Apple named one of its favorite podcasts of 2020. He's also a founding partner of the new media startup, Puck. Baratunde delivered a powerful keynote to our Institute audience this year at Clock's Global Institute on dimensions of transformation. He talked about how our stories change over time if we keep telling them and his overall pursuit of truth, meaning, and justice. We got to come down together after his keynote in the studio to dig through it all together. Check out Baratunde online and enjoy the episode. Baratunde, welcome to Clock Talk. Good to be here with you, Jen. Yeah. It's about time. It's about time. It's about time. (laughs) You just rolled off the stage giving a wonderful keynote. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. How are you feeling? A little exhausted. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of energy in those moments. It's a bit of an explosion. And so it's the post-explosion lull. So I'm feeling relaxed. Maybe ready for a nap, but not this second. Good, good. I will stay awake for you. Yeah, we don't want to fall asleep on the <laughs> I podcast. Good. I feel good. But yeah, I like to ask that. I'm I'm always fascinated with the stage energy. Yeah. The presentation energy. We give a lot of presentations in corporate with our mm-hmm. slides. With as, the slides. You know slides. Tell a You've story. been down the road. Yes. And, and there's a big surge of adrenaline. And I just like to hear how people come down after. So yeah. we're coming down. We're together. coming down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your keynote was wonderful. There were so many themes I want to weave in. I don't even know where to begin because it How was... How about the middle? I love that. Yesterday, we began at the beginning. So today, <laughs> let's start in the middle. I'm going to start here because this is what I was drawing out from some of the themes, the transformation themes that mm. you were weaving throughout. You talked a lot about your mother. Yeah. You told the story of who she was as a woman, as a mother, as someone doing their best. And I loved how you were factual and describing and telling of the things she taught you and bringing you into nature in a neighborhood that kids weren't going into nature a lot. Mothers were busy doing other things, raising families and putting food on the table. And then I loved what you said later. It was something about, well, you talked about changing your story. Mm -hmm. And I felt you trying to understand your mother and understand yourself through understanding your mother over the course of your adult life. And in this wonderful career you have that you're not fixed on the story of her that you had when you were 18 and you left to go to Harvard. Yeah, You're still seeking who she is. It's a constant evolution. You picked up all that. That's great. Yeah. That means I communicated effectively. (laughs) Yes. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You sure did. And drawing this parallel from Changing your story, understanding her through the prism of the complexity of this world. Mm -hmm. And then going, we have to love our country like we love our mothers. Just 
put that on a pin or pin it to my heart. Yeah, good. And then you talked about kind of these two poles Mm -hmm. of the extremes that we have to find meaning in the middle, love for country, the greats, the, the light and the shadows. Yeah. So you got me feeling all sorts of feelings on that because I'm on this journey with you, my friend. Yeah, well, it's a more meaningful journey when we're on it together. Then we're not feeling so alone. Like I'm the only one going through this. Everybody's going through something. And that is, you could see that and be like, oh, that means the world is just extra screwed. But it's like, oh, we all have some steps to take. And so hopefully we feel a sense of camaraderie, partnership, maybe even play and joy in that journey rather than just burden or stress around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a mixed bag. So you started this podcast, Mm -hmm. your podcast in 2020. Yeah. We as a country and maybe a a culture in the globe, we were in one of the darkest nights of the soul, like the black shadow (laughs) of this country. We were in it. Talk to me about that time and that period And we were all in quarantine. Yeah. I want to know what went on in the writer's room with you and your wife. Like what (laughs) went on? You talked about the whiteboards. Yeah. So it's sometimes hard to remember that time. Yeah. It was three years ago. And I remember Friday, March 13th, 2020, Elizabeth and I were in New York. I had gone there for a podcasting conference. Yeah. And that was the last big gathering that I ended up being at for a long time. We had a great party on the Sunday night before that Friday the 13th. And people were talking about adjusting their stocks, like the market's going to crash tomorrow. And then it did. She's a psychic. How does she know? (laughs) She's from LA. Yeah. And you could feel New York City shutting down. I'd not been in New York since right after 9-11 when it was like eerie, quiet feel. We flew out on that Wednesday, got back to LA and I went to the Whole Foods on Friday the 13th to buy basically two of everything. Yeah. I was like building an ark. Um, I went to Home Depot to buy two of everything else. I guess I had to actually build an ark. Whole Foods had run out of kale. I'd never um, seen that, that before. That is a crisis I'd never in seen Los that Angeles. Before. It was, it was bad luck. one job, Bezos. There was a woman in a nightgown running through the aisle. The nightgown was bloody. Was- I almost got into it with a tiny white lady in yoga pants. She took my banana. Oh, you can't mess with the LA ladies in yoga. Yeah, pants. but also like, I can't get aggressive with her. Then yeah. I end up in jail yeah. and like, it's a whole thing. So that was going on. Bought a freezer to store food in. Like I got cameras because I was afraid of what might happen on yeah. the perimeter of our tiny rental house. And we waited and we watched and we worried and we had Zoom parties. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember feeling the pandemic and this like gate closing. And I remember Central Park and the black bird watcher and this white lady who had called the cops on him. And that whole thing went down on a Monday, which was the same day that the officer killed George Floyd. And then everything was literally on fire too in LA and around LA. There was like ash on the car. I had to wear a mask, not for COVID, just to breathe. And it was so weird. It did kind of feel like something was dying and ending. And it was terrifying and also weirdly exciting. Just being home all the time. I cooked so many chickens, so many different ways. (laughs) I've really learned to grill a proper whole bone-in fish and bone-in steak. We did puzzles like it was a new religion. Puzzles were a new religion. We used any excuse to drink. 
And Zoom was awesome. Then. Yeah. It was like, oh, time is space or nothing. Yeah. I'm reconnected with my friends in New York. And we never left New York, in yeah. fact, because we just live in the cloud together. We're all care bears. So it was super confusing, generative, depressing. I remember one, this was like key COVID moment for me. My wife and I would always sit in the same position at the dining table. And one day I was like, let's switch it up. Why don't you sit over there? Oh. And I'll sit over here. And it's like, we were with new people. New people. It was like the way like, the hey, light hits you. Hello, tell me about so yourself. We were, you? yeah. we were really spicing up the relationship. Yeah. Because it was like, I love you so much. I cannot stand you anymore. Yeah. And we had a, another couple. They had just given birth to their first child and we potted with them. So we were the only other adults this new child knew. And so we were kind of collectively in the life of this baby. And that felt good. But the America shit was, it was a racket, man. It was a lot of noise. And the combo of COVID, who the president was, the protests, being locked up at home, the no brunch and no basketball to distract us. So we just had to deal with it and stare into it. And then what I remember was a, a certain type of white American deciding we're going to lose our shit too right now because we can't get our haircuts. I remember they stormed the Capitol in Michigan and shut down the government in Michigan because Supercuts wasn't open. That's right. And I was like, you upstaging selfish mofos. Like, really? So this is like equal now. We're going to have people sworn to protect and serve, murdering the people in their charge, and you want a haircut. And you're going to show up with guns and shut down government, which is like barely keeping us all together right now. I felt a certain type of way about that. And it was the practice run for January 6th. Nothing ever happened to those people. So we sent a signal that that's okay. And then we launched like tear gas and the military and Trump's upside down Bible on the Black Lives Matter protest. Not all of them were peaceful either by any stretch, but they never took guns into government offices and shut down operations. So, you know, people pooping on Nancy Pelosi's desk was foreshadowed. That imagery. The extremes that make up the United States and yeah. everything it stands for, they went more extreme. It's like the goalposts move well, we fields do, away. You know, we're on a trend line of increasingly uncommon stories to yeah. bind us. Yeah. You know this in Netflix, right? In streaming in general. We used to have three networks. We used to have none. We used to have fire, okay? And everybody's life from five generations back to five generations forward was the same. You worked the fields, you had bad teeth, you died at like 32. Everybody could pass down and and you worship the wolf or the tree or the cloud god or whatever the thing was. But nothing really changed. And we had some common stuff, including very short lives, brutish. And then we get the entertainment and we get phonographs and we get the printing press and we can manufacture multiple tales of who we are. And now we're in like infinite Storyville. And then we've lost the few things during COVID in particular that could bring us back together. And so we each go to our multiple corners. It's not a square. It's like a dodecahedron (laughs) sized ring. And then with AI, it gets even more specific. And so now the movie I watch is even going to be the movie you watch of us. So there's some harm that comes along with all that innovation. And that is a lack of a bond between us. So COVID really, 
accelerated that. It pushed us more online. It pushed us more to streaming. It pushed us more literally into our homes and our physical neighborhoods and into Reddit and into Twitter. Yeah, and, and deep and, digital. Yeah, sometimes that was very toxic. Obviously, sometimes it's really exciting and refreshing, but I think overall it created more splinters than more bonds. I agree yeah. with you that it exacerbated the gaps. It exacerbated connections to the self. Yeah. If people didn't have a strong connection to the self going into that and had things yeah. semi-clean, yeah. semi-tidied up, semi-arranged, it got dark. Yeah. Like it got dark for people because it was just thrust into solitude. And mm-hmm. then if you're using the digital as a means of passing time, yeah. then you're just scrolling in this ADD sort of scroll we all find ourselves in. And yeah, I think people got further disconnected. I remember hitting that limit on TikTok when I was like on the toilet and TikTok's like, hey, buddy. (laughs) Where um, where all the deep thoughts come (laughs) on the toilet. What you doing here? And it's like, oh, it's been hours. (laughs) I should probably stop doing this. Yeah. Something happened for me during COVID where I was always consuming all the Kardashians, Mm, everything. I'm fell into them in a guilty cardio pleasure run in Brooklyn yeah. a few years ago where that was what was on the screen on the treadmill. Mm. I was like, is anybody watching? Nope, St- watch it. <laughs> and I was really trying to lean out. So I watched a lot of Kardashians and then I fell for them. I fell for yeah, the, whole, they got you. the whole gimmick of yeah. it. Is we're watching nothing. <laughs> and they look fabulous. Yeah. And during COVID, I was scrolling. I was having my toilet on TikTok moments mm-hmm. scrolling. And I'm watching them and I just felt nothing. I felt nothing going on in me. I felt so empty that I put the phone down and said, we need to change. Like, I'm not going to fill this endless time with digital pixelated LED. Empty calories. That's exactly it. Empty calories. And now a brief message from our sponsor, Legal departments are under constant pressure with organizations looking to navigate increasing uncertainty and challenges. But with challenges come opportunities, and it's time for organizations to reimagine the outlook for legal and unleash the true power of their legal department. For the legal department of today, transformation is inevitable, and the time to act is now. KPMG Law Professionals powered by technology-enabled solutions, can support your in-house legal team's transformation in an efficient and digitally driven way. To learn more and to gain access to KPMG Law's insights, visit kpmglaw.com. And now, back to the show. I realize I meandered so far from your initial question, but I've but I I got my way you. back. No, you're right where you're supposed well, to be. Well, here's what happened also in COVID. I found a deeper sense of purpose around what I would communicate. I have been in the entertainment world for a really long time. I did work at The Daily Show. I made pilots. I was a Nat Geo correspondent. I made more pilots. I pitched things. And none of them happened. COVID happened. And the first thing I did, I woke up after that Whole Foods devastating no-kale moment. And I woke up at like four in the morning, live on lockdown. I'm going to make a show called Live on Lockdown and I'm going to build out a studio. I asked friends who knew things. I'm like, what do I need? And I ordered a Rodecaster Pro, yes, a soundboard thing. And I ordered an overpowered camera, black magic cinema display, 6K, yeah. future proof my shit. And I got a green screen from eBay because they were already sold out and I overpaid for the green screen. And I got little acoustic panels. And I was like, 
I'm going to start making a show. And twice a week I went live and I did a Zoom community show. I had everybody keep your cameras on because I want to see your, my Zoomio audience, my live studio yeah. audience in Zoom. And I would do a rundown of COVID news and things we could do to help each other out. And I would riff on a monologue of bullshit that was happening. And then I'd open the floor and I'd banter with people in the audience. And then Thursday nights, the second show was an IG live show. And that you can't bring screens, but you could bring the question. I'd riff on the chat and kind of surf the chat waves. Yeah. And I did like 40, 50 of those shows. What? And asked permission from no one. And what was born of that was a podcast called We're Having a Moment. That was the six-part miniseries to talk about the summer of 2020. And it was like, something's happening here. Shit's on fire. Yeah. We defund the police and people's budgeting. And there's some other stuff in these ashes. There's some stuff is growing. I don't know what it is. It was a big question mark. And that segued right into How to Citizen. Because I was like, so motivated. It was annoying to some of my friends, especially my parent friends. They're like, oh, good. Look at you growing through COVID developing yourself as a person, launching projects. I clean poop all day. Yeah. Right? And so I recognize that there are ups and downs in everyone's COVID. And in hindsight, I had like one of those weird productive COVIDs yeah. where like I discovered things about myself. I also lost and went through stuff like a lot of us. But I found an outlet beyond TikTok on the toilet. Yeah. And that was really, really helpful. And, yeah. and without the freedom and isolation and relative lack of distraction from COVID, the How to Citizen podcast wouldn't have ended up the way it did because I wouldn't have made it with my wife, right? I had a partial vision. I would have run with that. But then we're just hanging out all the time. She's like, what are you doing out there? Look, I'm making this podcast, How to Citizen. Let me see what you're working on. And she had never been that much in my work or vice versa. We yeah. support each other, but we had kind of separate professional lives. And she's like, have you thought about it? Have you seen this? Let's book some time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she showed up on my Google calendar. Yeah. <laughs> she sent me a GCal. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we're going to workshop this now. Yeah. And like there were post-its involved. It was a real design session. Real design yeah. session. And yeah. it became a new kind of team. Yeah. And so she doesn't seek the public spotlight at all, which is great for me because I do. But a lot of the language and the structure and the strategy is her. Um, and so this is really a joint project. Sounds like she's your writer's room in a sense. Yeah. The original sense, writer's room. In a sense, she's like my executive producer and strategist and sometimes writer, sometimes writer too. Although I like to go off script. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. I went off script in every bit I did this morning. <laughs> I said it all in the wrong place. And yeah. I think I said it to everyone, we're in a cult. So we'll see how that one lands. Every gathering is a cult. It's, every membership organization yeah. is a cult with official thank licensing. You. Thank you and for branding. validating yeah, my sometimes okay. inappropriate mouth. No, but <laughs> this story you're telling, and I like where you started because, yeah. again, you painted the shadow for us. Mm. And then you were in the shadows and you had a moment where you're like, I am not going to just get digitally drunk on yeah. empty calories. Or literally drunk, you know, or literally on drunk. alcohol yes. every day. A lot of people <laughs> turn to that yeah. for, for yeah. the escape. Yeah. And I can understand that too. But there was a spark in the darkness for you. Yeah. Idea, story. We need to talk. We need to connect. Mm -hmm. And that to me is one of the most profound life energies that people bring and from darkness start story you got one of these mics and went tick 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 literally this, this exact thing mic yeah. is this thing on high the sure smb7 baby yeah. it's like i'm baratune day 
None of y'all greenlit my shit over the years. So green lights on and we're talking. Yeah. And you just go. So literally creating the space. I was like, I told people I'm doing a show on yeah. Sundays at noon. It's 1155. I guess I got to get out there and yeah. say something and listen for something yeah. and create space and for others to say something and then find the thing that will keep us going and find in COVID the stories of mutual aid yeah. and so much of the early season of How to Citizen was just cribbing from the live on lockdown world. Yeah. And I learned how to produce in digital isolation from this show I made up that no one asked for or paid for. There was yeah. no sponsors. There was no minimum guarantees from a distributor. There was no licensing agreement. It was just time. Let's go. But that was practice. And a lot of the things that I have done in my life were practice for you know, what I get to do now. Oh, yeah. So powerful. I really relate because I called, I'm a musician oh. and songwriter, and I called my rep at Guitar Center around that time, yeah. around the 13th That's, to the I talked 15th. to a Guitar Center person. That's where I got my roadcast. Right? Yeah. And I called him when this stuff got dark yeah. and think, this started to look endless. And I said, send a roadcaster, send a mic, send a Fender Strat, send <laughs> yes. the audio interface. We're going to jam this out. Send, I need a bigger MIDI keyboard, send, send, send. Yeah. I, in a blackout, bought it all and <laughs> it all showed up. Yes. And I said, we're going to learn production and songwriting on yeah. another level. And not because I had the gift of time. Yes. So and, what are we going to do with it? Teleport with me for a moment yeah. to the very present and near future. We are automating things. We're speeding up workflows. We're generating content. Yeah, this. And allegedly, as the promise is ever made to us, that will give us more time. It hasn't so far. The BlackBerry actually tethered us more than it liberated us. Yeah. But let's imagine we could for a moment not just see the shadow of the AI yeah. tsunami, but like the liberative wave. Then what are we going to do with that time? What are we going to do with that time? And do we know how to do something? productive with yeah. that time. And I will add to productive and also connective and creative. I, I don't know how to do that. Wanna what just, you just be said. productive. Yeah. Right? I don't want to be a better machine. I mean productive. That's why the machine is, but like productive for your soul. Yeah. Productive yeah. for your creativity, for your higher source. Mm -hmm. So when that is fed or growing, yeah. then you can be in your life having impact with your family, your community, yeah. and beyond. So will we set up the world so that that's possible for everybody, not just for the chosen few with enough economic resources to go on ayahuasca retreats in Peru, right? That's cool. Or to have private yoga sessions. That's right. great. I think the captains of industry should awaken their inner eyes. Sure. They can see better and yeah. lead the way as they're sometimes positioned to do. But that level of freedom should be available to all of us too. That's one of the perils you talk about in the dimension of tech you focus on is all of this AI, the risk, is it just going to make us want to work more? I mean, yeah. that's what I see in my work environments. Yeah. We're legal transformation people. We help the legal department scale, be more productive. Mm -hmm. But there's an element of that where it's literally, you can do more with less, yeah. but it, don't be a workaholic. Mm -hmm. That's still not what we mean. That's just abundant everywhere. It's competitive out there. Yeah. And some of this tech and this stuff with the screens, yeah. it's addicting. The black mirrors. The black mirrors. <laughs> yeah. So someone just asked me in the hallway how I do a full-time job at Netflix and the clock board yeah. and a podcast we run, Clock Talk. 
And I, I can't answer these questions mm-hmm. on the spot because I'm going to go down a deep spiritual hole with them. And I don't know if they're ready yeah. for the white mirror to come out <laughs> ah. and for it to be bright. And they're like, what are you doing yeah. to tap in today? I mean, you're someone, you talk so much about nature. Yeah. You have a show on nature. I do. I've watched your show. I get to frolic in yes, nature. Yes, yeah. I watched you. I watched an episode where you were out chasing nature soundscapes with a gentleman, who a pro field recorder. Yeah. And you were just, I mean, talk about listening. You were mm-hmm. just sitting and listening Yeah, with a camera. I'm still trying to find words for what I am and how I think yeah. about or approach the world. And there's something in this moment, which is feeling like deep technologist. What that man showed me, we're in Big Meadow and Appalachia. We are in pursuit of intelligence of an artificial nature. We're hyperfunding that. That pursuit risks diverting us from our deeper human nature yeah. and our deeper living nature beyond our humanness. And hearing, just sitting quietly at night in the woods is the most immersive, technological, full sensory, multimedia experience. And to be able to note and identify the different species and the mating calls and their language, like, is very generative and it's refueling. There's a system of technology going on. I want us to integrate that. As I talked about in our talk today, my mom gave me a computer and she gave me a bicycle. So I don't want us to overdo it on the compute power. And then there's other kinds of energy and power to tap into to keep us grounded as we try to reach the stars. The bicycle story was also powerful. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember getting my first bike. I mean, so many people raised their I'd never asked the audience, like, who remembers when you get your first bike? It's something I could dive into more in an interactive moment just to hear other people's stories of yeah. what was the bike? What was it like? Did you have to work for it? Where did you do a paper route with it? Did you have bake sales? When did you first fall off that bike and scrape your knees? Yes. Did some bully in your neighborhood like me take your bike? I remember the first bike and I remember thinking, freedom. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going places. Yes. Now. I'm going down the block. <laughs> yes. And I grew up sweet. in the Hudson Valley and it's a very cliffy and yeah. hilly. So when you go down the block, then you're wiping out because yeah. your brakes aren't even working. <laughs> my driveway was <laughs> yes. like that. And I don't know how many concussions we gave ourselves in the 80s and 90s on these bikes. We didn't wear helmets. Yeah, no. Then. It's no. not the helmet culture that is now, no. but it was freedom. We didn't and, value brains. Yeah. (laughs) We threw kids into football, right? We threw them into biking with no helmets. A lot of traumatic brain injuries in the eighties. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. But powerful moment, powerful memory you conjured up today and the bikes and the first computer, another powerful, powerful moment. When I remember when that landed on the desk, when I got to, I got to college and that was the year everyone for the first time had a desktop Mm, computer. When was this? This was fall 97. Okay. And I got there without one. Everyone had one. Yeah. And I called my brother and said, work mom and dad. I need a computer up here. Stat. Yeah. And he shows up in two weeks with a Macintosh Mm -hmm. power book. And I'm like, I I didn't want this. I needed the gateway or whatever PC everyone had. And he goes, you'll figure it out. Uh Took me two months to get it on the internet. Me and the Apple guy at my university. And in the middle of the night, we figured out the TCP IP protocol, because yes. this stuff wasn't written for Max then. No, no. I was, so that was my job. 
I showed up to college. And you were the Apple guy? I was the IT guy. Oh, that got people I, in the I network. worked for computer services. Oh, so I'm speaking your TC. Yeah, I'm speaking I was, your love the language. job was user assistant. Yes. That was a UA. And I showed up in the fall of 95 with my PC. Yeah. Built by hand. Yes. And I augmented oh, it with parts, constantly upgrading the memory and this process. RAM, putting more RAM yeah, the cards first, My in. first stop in Boston, where's the micro center? Oh, this is a computer superstore. I get everything I need. Wow. There's Egghead software. And so I, then I helped pay for college. Literally getting people to our program. I still have the t-shirt. Get connected. Oh my God. 97. Yes. So we would welcome the new first years and new students coming back to their dorm. They had added Ethernet jacks to the dorms. That's right. And so people, people had to buy Ethernet cards. Yeah. It didn't come. And so I would install Ethernet cards and all the operating systems. People had BOS, yeah. Next BOS? Terminals, yeah. Mac OS. The, original, you know, the other Steve Jobs operating DOS, system. Windows 3. Everything. Yeah. Windows 95, Windows 97, Windows NT. I still speak some of that. And people still ask me for computer help from college. They're like, hey, Baratune Day, so... Can you, or they ask me for invites. Yeah. Like the latest, like, can you give me an invite to Blue Sky? <laughs> yeah. Because they know I'm still kind of into the. Oh, you're at tech core stuff. technologist. In oh, the time yeah. where this all really it, came it to literally be. literally fueled my life, my education, and my creativity. Because all the creative things I've done were paired with technology. S New, similar to me. Comedy newsletter. Over you made, email. And you made it. And you did yeah, the HTML. Blogging and, you, and streaming. It's yeah. all been. I mean, stand-up has a microphone that's yeah. pretty low-tech, but then I would take those things, record them, put them on mini-disc, yeah. upload them in MP3 to a feed on my website. Oh, that's called podcasting. And then yeah. all this recording, it's all going yeah. analog converted to digital. So you and I, in a sense, are digital artists. Yeah. That I think... We are. I, and we, we collaborate with the technologies, tell some new stories. Tell new stories. Yeah. Expand our voice. Oh, it's so good. And inspire people to... Stay connected. Don't let this stuff wash over you. Yeah. Get, get off the toilet. Get off the toilet. <laughs> get out to nature, the greatest operating system there is. Yes. And, yes. you it's know, be life. deferent to it. I love that you have built, I built computers overnight too in college yeah. just to learn the engineering yeah. of it. I love that you did that because it's interconnecting all the parts within to make a better whole. Yeah. And then you go to nature to do the same. And as long as we maintain awareness of those interconnected parts, and don't outsource too much. I think with the AI stuff, magic, wizardry, but also risk of yeah. further distancing ourselves yeah. from process and even from ourselves. I'm wearing this super aura ring right now. Yeah. I'm wearing I'll, a whoop. I wake up and my wife's like, how'd you sleep? I'm like, great. Yeah. And then I check the app. The ring says I didn't sleep great. So do I even know myself? Or can I use Are a little bit of insight, but still trust myself in the process? Did you That's start that in COVID? Yeah, actually, I got this at a speaking gig. A company, kind of creepy, gave it to all their employees. <laughs> That's it was weird. like a scene out of Billions. Big Brother, <laughs> like the HRV of yeah. the accounting team is down. You want to make sure you're down. optimal. You know, they can't see into the data. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, the data's private. Just like 23. Oh my God, it's been so good clock talking with you. Thank you for coming on yes. Clock Talk today, Baratune. Safe travels on the rest of your tour. Thank you so much. Peace. That about wraps up this episode. Thank you, Baratune Day, for coming to inspire the legal ops and tech community. You can catch this and other episodes of Clock Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time.